They are going to talk about God choosing David, a man after his own heart. And we are going to jump into Revelation chapter 22, 1 to 5. And in chapter 2, uh, chapter 22, 1 through 5, this section wraps up all of chapter 21 and it ties it together with the entire biblical story. So everything is going to come together here as, as we come into that. So um, I want to mention today, you know, we're celebrating July the 4th, tomorrow, Independence Day. And as we celebrate that, we also are looking at God's ultimate plan for us, for restoring his creation to where he made it to be and, and to have the true independence that, that comes from knowing Christ and the freedom that comes in him. So as, as we come back, this, this chapter, these two chapters take us back to Genesis chapters 2 and 3 and God's purpose to provide for um, his people a garden of delight. If you go back into Genesis chapters 1 and 2, God provided the garden of Eden, which Eden means delight. It was the garden of delight. And so Adam and Eve were placed there to enjoy it. They were placed there to enjoy the creation of God, to enjoy what he has created them to do, to enjoy being his servants and worshipers, and to care for it as their service or worship to God. God placed them in the garden, and he said, I place you here to have dominion, and to care for it. And, and so as we come into that, it's service or worship ultimately is, is what that is. They were in there as worshipers before God. So Paul gives us an example of this in, in Romans 12.1. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So service and worship translate out a single word, latria. It's, it's the exact same word. As a matter of fact, in that scripture, if you, if you look at several different translations of it, they try to figure out, you know, what do we do? Do we translate it as worship or service or a spiritual act of worship? But it's all one word. Kind of, They're trying to get this idea in there as to what this means um, originally language-wise. And so they come in there and, and we get that. And I think, you know, the New American Standard probably gives the best best um, shot at it there, but it really is saying this is your logical service. This is the logical end of, of being who you are and who God created you to be. So in the garden, the entire, their entire existence for Adam and Eve, it was oriented to God. Everything that they did was oriented towards him, towards serving and caring for the garden. That was worship. It was worship as they came through and they just lived life there and walked with God in the cool of the day and cared for the garden. That was worship. That was worship. And the one thing in there that was off limits, we all know, was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So just a real quick over, overview of it all. To eat from that would be replacing dependence upon God with dependence upon their own selves and their own knowledge. And, and this is what they did. They chose, rather than to be dependent upon God, to be dependent upon themselves and their own knowledge. So as, as we come in here today and, and looking at it, we know where it all goes and we know what happened, but we're made to worship. We are created to worship. We are created to serve. We are created to be the people of God, to know Him and, and to make Him known. And everybody worships something. Every single person on this planet worships something. 
Um, so when Adam and Eve took the fruit and, and they did what God said not to do, they lost their place in the Garden of Delight. This is what happens. They lost their place in the Garden of Delight and they entered into a world that was fractured by sin. And we've lived under that curse of sin ever since that time. So this is what went wrong as we come in and we look. This is what happened. This is the creation. This is what went wrong. This is where we are today. And now as we come in and we look at Revelation 22, 21 and 22 specifically, it wraps it up and brings us back to this point. This is a return to Eden. In Revelation, this is a return to the light as we come in there. And, and the language reminds us of the garden. It reminds us of, of what we saw there. Now we're seeing the restoration of the earth and the dwelling of God with man. Remember chapter 21, it says, Then I saw the new heaven and the new Jerusalem come down. Um, and this is what is going on. So now we're seeing the restoration of the earth and the dwelling of God with man. And the new heaven and the new earth are five things that are listed in this passage. So let's look at those and, and we'll break it down. The first thing that we see is a river. We see a river listed here in verses 1 and the first part of verse 2. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. So this goes back, if, if you come in, if you go back into Eden, there was a river flowing out of Eden. And that river flowed out and life was there in the garden. So you found life in the Garden of Eden and, and the life was in the tree. But in Revelation, the, the river of life is is there it's the river of the water of life in genesis 2 10 it's a river flowed out of eden to the water of the garden and there it divided and became four rivers so everything found its sustenance from that river but um and then you can go into the book of ezekiel in chapter 47 the river comes out of the renewed temple or the restored temple and it gives life um to the earth and 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 they're joined so so as we come in, heaven and earth are joined here, and God is with us just like he was in the garden. This river is flowing through the middle of the city, and life is throughout it. As you come in and, and you look at it, this river, it, it differs from what we see earlier in that this river flows from the throne. In other words, life is coming from the throne of the God, from the throne of God. It's coming from the Lamb. This is where it it comes out, it emanates from here and comes to us. So life is throughout the city. It flows through the middle of the city, down the uh, street of the city, through the middle of the street of the city. And in other words, it's saying that there's life everywhere. It just flows out and fills this place with the life that comes from God. So that's the first thing that we see in the new heaven and the new earth. We see that there is life. We see it coming from this river. And the second thing we see is a tree in, in the last part of verse 2. It says, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. This parallels the Ezekiel passage as well. In 47.12 of Ezekiel, it says, and on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water 
Because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. So, so we see this fruit coming and, and we see it in Revelation. You see it in Ezekiel. as Ezekiel you know, talks about this and prophesies it. And then in Revelation, John writes of it. And, and this fruit provides sustenance. It provides the sustenance of life. Everything that is needed is provided in this place. And then the leaves, it says the leaves offer healing. So, so there are multiple trees in Ezekiel and, and also in Genesis as we look there. This one has one and then you have an a new earth, but um, this will also be true that there will be multiple trees there as as we come in there. And heaven is a place where our needs are met. That's the picture saying God is meeting our needs. He is meeting our needs for sustenance. He is meeting our needs for life. Um, there's there's no sickness. There's no infirmity. There's no age-related issues. And in other words, you don't wake up in the morning and go, you know, I just don't bend quite like I used to. Or, you know, um, this, this, um, I've, I've got this constant ache and it just doesn't seem to want to go away. Or, I wish I wouldn't have done this when I was younger and now I'm having to deal with it today. And in other words, all that stuff's gone. It's just gone. Because as you come in, we have sustenance and we have healing. We have a full physical healing and, and we have a spiritual healing as well. There are crops year-round. It says that this tree produces a different crop every month, different fruit all the time. In other words, year-round. Um, right now, you know what we do? We wait for the season of fruit. I'm waiting for green tomatoes to turn bright and be sweet and good so I can pick them and eat them. I'm waiting for a real peach to show up in the grocery store. Not a baseball, not a mushy thing, but a real peach. You know, because in heaven, this is what the peaches are going to be like. They're going to be real peaches that are picked off the tree, and when you bite into them, you have to go change your shirt because they're so juicy and so real and so there. And, and this is what heaven is like. It's not this... this kind of stuff that we have here it's going to be real and, and it's not just going to be tomatoes it's going to be anything that you like that's what heaven is like it's going to, as far as the sustenance is saying that this is a place of delight it is a place of true delight and, and it's not going to be something that that we're um coveting or i just can't you know i, I gotta have or whatever it's just going to be normal it's just going to be normal. This is normal the way it is in heaven. It is a place of perfection. There's not going to be fruit shipped from the other side of the world. There's going to be fresh stuff everywhere that you go. And, and we will have spiritual and physical healing. It will be a place of perfection. Our infirmities will be gone. Um, our brokenness will be gone. Heaven will be free of all defect. All defects will be gone. It will be a place of perfection. And, and so we have a river, we have a tree, we have the restoration of creation. In chapter 22, verse 3, we see the restoration of creation. It says, no longer will there be anything accursed. The curse is gone. What is the curse? The curse is sin. Sin is the curse, and it's gone. It has been removed. It has been removed by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus has paid the penalty for our sin. He has redeemed us and restored us. In 1 Corinthians 15, 54, and 56, Paul puts it like this. He said, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? 
The, death, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. In Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, it says, Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. In other words, the curse is removed. The fear of death is removed. The fear of evil is removed. The the fear of being in bondage to sin has been removed because we are redeemed and made whole. There is no longer any curse. Creation has been restored back to where God made it. And um, He will ultimately, Jesus not only redeems us, but He will ultimately restore us to sinless perfection in the new heaven and the new earth. That is the promise of God. In Revelation 1.5, it says, To Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood. That is Jesus. He loves us and He's freed us from our sins by His blood. In Revelation 5.9, it says, And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people from God, for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So this is what we are seeing. This is the restoration of creation. Everything messed up in this world is going to be gone. Every broken thing in this world will be gone. Our messed up lives will be restored. And the curse of sin that we deal with today the curse of sin that we deal with in our culture today, in our world today, that, that people have been dealing with since the fall, it's going to be gone. It's going to be gone. It will be obliterated. There will be no more suffering and shame. There will be no more brokenness. There will be no more what-ifs. What if I would have just, I wish I would have. I have a regret. There will be no regrets. The regrets will be gone. They'll be washed away. That's what this place is. This is where it is. There will be no more if I had only, or there will be no more of, of these things. Why didn't I? There will be no more fractured relationships. There will be no more enmity between people. No more brokenness. That's what this place is. That's the promise. It is is a place where the, the brokenness of sin has been fully removed. And we have been restored to a place of delight, a place where we see God and we know God and we understand God and and we know our purpose. We know who we are and we have not only a hope, but we have a hope that is obtained. It is there and and we are holding it in the moment. And and we go on from there, the the river, the tree, the rest restoration, and then we have unhindered worship. This is where it leads us. It leads us into unhindered worship before God. Um, In in verses 3 and 4, it says, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. You see, the sovereign presence of God is in the city. He is there. He is right there in the city and and the throne of God and the Lamb are there. They are coming and seeing who He is and everything is made possible by His presence. We're redeemed by Him and we will be in His presence in the new heaven and the new earth. We're we're described as His servants. It, It says that we will worship Him. Remember that word worship. 
Going back to Romans 12.1, the noun form of it, of worship, is the same word as, as we would translate out to serve. And, and the verb form of it is the exact same thing. You can translate it out, serve or worship. And it comes in, so you have this idea, what is worship? Worship is serving God. Look, we have got this messed up idea of worship as being something that we listen to. Worship is something that we do. You know what these kids up here? They're worshiping. They're worshiping. They come up, and there's nothing greater to me than seeing our students in our church serving. Serving. You think, well, well, they're playing music. Well, yeah, but I want to tell you something. Some of those kids a year ago didn't play an instrument. They worked. Amy worked with them, taught them how to play an instrument so that they could come up here and serve. And, and they do a phenomenal job. They're serving. And you say, well, how does how that? How, how that work? Look, they were down here Thursday night working, working, getting it right, practicing, coming in, putting it together because worship is work. Worship is serving. Worship is doing. Worship is pouring our hearts out before God. Worship is, is, is using the gifts that He's given to us to serve others. They, they're, now they're up there upstairs with the kids serving. And as they go up there to, to lead the children, by the way, you can pick up your kids afterwards out of the playground, I think. Um, <clears throat> I, I, they'll be having a good time. But, but they're, worth, they're having a good time, and, and the kids are having a good time as they come and they serve. They serve. You see, we, we, have, we have bought into this lie that heaven is, is just this big place of eternal rest. It's rest from sin. It's rest from brokenness. But it's not an eternal nap. I mean, do any of you want to take a nap forever? No. You feel horrible and then you don't sleep at night. Look, here's the deal. God made us to serve. He didn't make us to sit and do nothing. He made us to serve. He created us to, to, to use our gifts and our uniqueness to bring glory and honor to Him. And, and that's why it's so exciting to see kids serving. Because that's worship. They're learning what real worship is. And that's what we, ha we have to learn. Look, there are people worshiping, doing many different things around here. There have been guys working out here, getting ready to build a, a, a small building back here to, to store our Bethlehem stuff and lawnmowers and whatnot. That's worship. They're using their giftedness that God has given to them to serve Him. It's not, for their own, it's not their own shop in their backyard. They're doing it for the glory of God. Um, last week, the, the deacons and the staff, we did children's uh, Sunday school. Why? Why? One, to lead. To lead. To say, you know what? This is what it means to worship and serve. This is what it looks like. Worship looks like this. It looks like when we do things to the glory of God. And, and you know, those kids are watching a bunch of old guys up there and, and doing some games with them and, and, and doing a Bible story and, and doing a, a craft. Yeah. Yeah. You know, passing the crayons out and coloring pictures and, and, and doing stuff. But you know what? It was fun. 
It really was. And, and here's the thing. You know, what, you know what the kids walk away from with that? Those old guys care about us. Those old guys are, are part of what's, what's going on. And that's why when they come up here, they want to bump fists and high five and all that stuff. Why? It's not because of anything other than you've paid attention to them and invested that's what it looks like, and, and that's when it comes in and, and serving. Um, there, there's so many different ways that this pour, plays out throughout um, our church and, and in our lives, but, but we are described as his servants. We do his will. We're at his bidding as you come through the scriptures. This is, this is what it means to be a servant of God, literally a slave of Christ. It means that he owns us, and, and we are here to his pleasure. And, and when we live our lives to his pleasure, what, he's, what he teaches us and, and shows us in the scriptures is that it's a delight. It's a delight. It's a fulfilling life. It's, it's a life that's real. It's a life that makes a difference. It's a life that makes a change. There's so many different ways, and you come in and go, well, you know, well, I, I don't build things, and I don't do kids. Well, you can herd kids. You can, trust me. Building things, you can help. <laughs> but you know what? There are people who are coming up here this week. They've taken a week or two of vacation, they bought plane tickets, and they've come up here to build. That's worship. And that's what they'll do every day. They'll have a day or two themselves to go, you know, see Alaska or whatever. But for the most part, they're coming up here to work, to serve. Worship. They've come up here to worship God. And we have an opportunity. You can, you can serve them. We have uh, sign-ups out there to do lunch and all the food. Everything's provided. Just come up here and heat it up, warm it up, cook it, whatever it takes to make it happen. Sally Huddleston can tell you all about it. This week's the big one, um, starting on the 7th, I think. But, um, but that's a way to serve. That's a way to worship. That is a type of worship. There, there's so many different ways that it takes place. I mean, here's another one. You know, we, we have a, a, a wide range of people in our church, a wide a age range of people in our church. Um, some are young, some are old, and some are really old. I mean, and, and, um, and then we have people who are shut in. They can't even come anymore. And, and here's an interesting thing. I've been doing this for 30 years. And, uh, and one of the things that I learned early on, I would go visit elderly people who were shut in. They couldn't really get out anymore. And, and they would always say something along these lines. You know, I can't really do much anymore, but I pray for you every day. That's worship. Look, that's worship. You know what they're doing? They're using what they got at the moment to glorify God and build his kingdom by praying for their church, by praying for people in their church, by praying for their neighbors, by praying for their pastor that they hear on a cassette tape three or four days after Sunday. No live stream. Um, you know, that's, that, that was old school. But it's still the same. It's all the same. I promise you there are people who... They can't make it in here, but they're watching, they're praying, they're serving, they're doing, they're involved. 
Because that's what worship is. Because we do His will, we serve, and we worship Him. It's what Adam and Eve were supposed to do. That's what they were made to do. That's what God placed them in the garden to do, was to serve. Because serving is worship. It's, it's there, they, He said, I put you here to care for the garden and to have dominion. Think about that a minute. They were given the, the, the task of caring for the garden, caring for this place of delight, caring for what he given us. And, and this is what God wants us to do for eternity. This is God's plan in heaven. Look, you've been sold a lie. You're not going to be wearing a diaper and a big fat cherub sitting on a cloud plucking a harp. You're going to be serving. That's what heaven is like. He is going to give us dominion over the new heaven and new earth. He's going to restore it to what He made it to be, and we will have dominion. That's what He says, when, when we will reign with Him, that's what He's saying. We will, we will have dominion. He's not saying that you're going to have your own planet or some city or something like that. He's saying that you will be a co-regent with God in, in this place of delight. This new heaven and new earth that, that it brings together, that, um, that we serve God by caring for what He has given to us. It's this act of worship because that's what God has called and created and made us to do. In Revelation 19.5, it says, And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you His servants, His worshipers, you who fear Him, small and great. Romans 12.1, remember, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Or it, it, maybe your translation says your reasonable act of service. is trying to get this idea in and wrap it all together to say the logical outcome of knowing Jesus is this, that it's reasonable for you to serve. It's logical because that's worship. That's what it means. That's what it looks like. That's what it is. And that's what we were created to be. We were being told to be what we were created to be. Not only that we're going to see God face to face. Look, as you come in and you begin to look through the scriptures, after the fall in the garden, you come in and you begin to see this thing of how do we see God? Moses wasn't able to see God face to face. He saw the back of his glory as he goes by, but that's all Moses could see. He couldn't see the fullness of God. He couldn't see him face on and fully understand him. So, so that's, that's what we see coming up. Then you see Jesus come, and, and Jesus comes, and, and he reflects to us who God is. He is God in the flesh. God comes, and he's incarnate, and he reflects the glory of God to us, and he gives us an idea of what it means to be human and what it looks like, how to live our lives out before God. In, in John 1, 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's amazing, isn't it? It says that, God tabernacled among us. He pitched his tent here. He lived with us. He walked on this earth so that we could get a better picture of who he is, so that he could redeem us from our sin and our brokenness, so that all of the things that he'd been showing these people, his, his, his chosen people through all these centuries, could finally come and, and he could say, this is where it's headed. This is where it's headed. And, and, and we look back on that, but look, we're also looking forward to what's going to happen. 
We're also looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth, to our eternity face-to-face with God. And so we're called to be what we are created to be. Right now, we, we see God through Jesus. That's how we see him. We see him through his word. As we read about Jesus in the scriptures, that's how we understand God. As we read about God in the Old Testament, we see the temple, we see the tabernacle, we see the priests, we see all of the different things that went on. We see all the the, the, the laws of holiness and cleanliness and, and everything coming in there that you go, why is this? And my mind's blowing up. And really, do I have to read Leviticus again? We come into that and, and then it becomes crystal clear. God's created us for something. He's preparing us for something. And he's saying, look, you're you're different. You're my worshiper. You're my servant. I made you for more. And Jesus reflects the character of God to us so that we can bring glory to him and see his glory. And and when we see him in the end, it's going to be even better. It's going to be even better. That's this promise. That's this promise that we have and that we look forward to. In 1 John 3, 2, John put it this way, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Did you get that? We shall be like Him because we shall see him as he is. We are fully known, but we don't fully know God. But we will. We will fully know God. You see, when we see him, we'll fully know him and fully understand him. We'll know who he is exactly. And his name will be on us. His name will be on our foreheads. You know, in, in, uh, in, in ancient days, they, they might, a slave owner might write their name on their head. They might just tattoo it right there on their head. It denotes ownership. His name says, God owns me. God owns me. I'm a slave of God. I'm his servant. And, and, and it's not just that. It's a mark of status. It's status. To have the mark of God on your head is a mark of status. It says that you belong to him, that you are his child, that you are made to reign with him, that you are made to experience everything that he has to offer, that you share in the riches of his glory with him for all eternity. And it also denotes protection. Because God protects those he knows and loves. He protects us. You see, we struggle in our trials partially because we don't fully know God's activity. we, We struggle in this world because we just don't fully understand everything. We don't see the whole story, right? I mean, you know, the kids are studying about David up there. And, and we know the story of David. We know, you know, that he's a little shepherd boy. He fought the lion. He fought the bear. He, he was faithful to God. He loved God. And, and um, you, you know, we see him grow into a man. He is like the, the consummate warrior. And then he is the renaissance man. You know, he can play. He can sing. He's just great with everything. You just go, it's not even fair. He's so gifted.
David didn't know that story. All he knew was, God cared for me. I fought the lion. He helped me out. I fought the bear. He was there with me. I'll fight the giant. Nobody. Nobody can beat my God. Look. That's where it is. We don't fully know him. But we know his character, right? One day, we will fully know God. That's what he's saying. We will have unhindered worship. Look, our worship today is hindered by it. There are a lot of things that hinder our worship. We let a lot of things hinder our worship. You know, if things aren't exactly the way we want, it hinders it, right? And in heaven, God's going to say, you know what? This is an amazing place, and you're going to see things you've never seen in your life. And it's all going to be good, and it's going to be this cacophony of praise going on in heaven. And, and you are going to be absolutely mind-blown by the greatness and the glory of God. And that's what it looks like. You see, there's going to come this time when we fully know. In 1 Peter 2.9, Peter said, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, we're made to make him known. What he's done in us, he's made us to make him known. And we do that by serving. We serve. Serving. Worship is not passive. It's not something that, that we participate in. It's something that we do. It's something that we do as, as we serve. We come in and, and, and sometimes it's, it's um, just this heartfelt thing that we, we can't even express with words. Sometimes it's as we come in and we say, you know what? There's a need and God made me to do this. God created me to, to, to fill this need. And then we move from the river, the tree, the restoration, the worship, to forever with God. We are forever with God. In Revelation 22.5 it says, And night will be no more, they will need no light of lamp, nor sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they shall reign forever and ever. You see, the radiance of God will illuminate everything. There's no need for any light because God himself is the light. Perfect knowledge and perfect sight. That's what's going to happen in heaven. Perfect knowledge, perfect sight, perfect understanding. There will be no more sin. There will be no effects of sin. Look, even if, even if, if it was possible that we, could, none of us, that, that we all went, walked out of this room and said, I'm never going to sin again. It's not, I don't think it's possible, but, but um, I don't think the Bible teaches that that's possible. I think we can become more and more and more and more like God, but sinless perfection, I think, happens when we're face-to-face with God. Even, but even if it were, we would still have the effects of sin. There'd still be people who sinned against us. We'd still deal with it. We'd still deal with sickness. We'd still deal with death. We'd still deal with things that, that go wrong. We'd still have, you know, sore joints and all this other stuff. It just happened. 
but not in heaven because we'll have perfect knowledge, perfect sight, no more sin, no more effects of sin. In 1 John 1, 5, John put it this way. He said, this is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. This is what we see when we come to the new heaven and the new earth that <clears throat> there will be no more light or lamp or sun, light of lamp or sun. You don't need this stuff because God's the light. He is the light. In him is no darkness at all. And <clears throat> we will reign forever and ever with him. That's where it's going. You see, this is the place of perfect presence perfect peace, and perfect knowledge. That's where God has called us to be with him in eternity. And we will reign with God over all of creation. That's the promise. So just as God told Adam to have dominion over the earth, we will have that with God. That's, that's what this is looking like. That's when it all comes down is, and God restores things to where it is. So the question really comes down to, how am I doing with that today? You know, you, you may look and say, you know what, I, 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 how do I serve? Look, there's so many different ways to serve. I mean, there's as many different ways to serve as there are different people. There, there are <clears throat> things that happen around here that you don't even know. I mean, you don't even know. Like, I'll give you, for instance, if, if there's a funeral that happens here, I tell the secretary, we need this day, this time. I talk to the family, I visit with the family, pray with the family, and then I come up here and talk. I just talk. And, and there's like, oh, thank you for all you did. Look, I didn't do anything. Honestly, I did very little. There are people who showed up here, made sure the building was right. They set the chairs up. They set the tables up. They prepared the food. When the food's done, they clean the tables up. They clean the fellowship hall. They put the food away. They get the bowls washed. They send them back to the people that brought them. There are all kinds of people making it happen. I'm one little bitty tiny piece of the puzzle. And there are a lot of other things like that around this place. So when you come in today, you look outside, there was somebody who weeded the flower beds out there to the glory of God. There was somebody who watered the plants to the glory of God. There was somebody who cut the grass to the glory of God. There was somebody who ran a weed whacker out there to the glory of God. There was somebody who ran a piece of machinery over the parking lot that goes to our church with their equipment, with their fuel, with their costs to the glory of God. There was somebody else who greeted you at the door to the glory of God. There was somebody watching your kids changing diapers down there to the glory of God. There was somebody out there on the playground to the glory of God. There was somebody doing something. There was somebody doing something. All kinds of different things. There are people planning things. There are people counting the money. There are people making sure that all the books are done right. There are people planning, um, administrating, and, and, and multitudes of things because we're worshipers. That's what worship is. It comes in so many different ways. So what are you doing with your giftedness today? How are you using it to the glory of God? I mean, how could, how could that which is created say to the Creator, I don't have anything? How could we even do that? How are you using your gifts today 
to serve to the glory of God. Because this is a dress rehearsal for eternity. Look, if you don't like serving today, you're going to hate heaven. It's going to be the most miserable place you ever went in your life because that's what we're made to do. And I, for one, I'm glad. I would be done with the harp in about five minutes and ready to make a slingshot or a bow or something else out of it. Fishing line, hook, I don't know. But God's so much wiser. Just like we find fulfillment in the things we do here in this life, it's going to be infinitely better in heaven. So as we prepare for that, how am I worshiping today? Or how am I serving today? And how am I keeping my temple clean? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. That's what Paul wrote. You see, we're the temple of God. We are the temple. Coming in here, we, we see this thing throughout the Old Testament. We see this, this, this picture unfold. We see this symbol of, of, of what it is. And we can go back and look. And really, when you go back to the garden, it was this big temple. It was the place of God, the dwelling place of God. And the temple was the place where he dwells. Today, he dwells in his people. Ultimately, it will be restored to where it is. And, and we, as the temple, and, and you and I, as followers of Jesus, we are called to keep this temple clean and holy and ready. So are you keeping everything unclean that can defile the temple out? It's important. And, and we do this, we come in and, and, and we, do, we come in, we, we gather together, we encourage one another, we sing songs to God, we worship, we, we study His Word, we read our Bibles throughout the week, and I know you read your Bible on a regular daily basis, and I know you spend time in prayer, because that's where the sustenance comes from. If you want to talk about the tree bearing fruit, 12, 12 different fruits every month of the year, year-round, look, that's how God's going to bear fruit in your life, day, day in and day out, is in His Word, as you spend spend time in the Word, reading it, praying over it, and asking God to work in your life. And, and that's how you keep the temple clean, and that's how you serve, and that's how you worship, because this is how God meets us and moves us and, and, and uses us to His glory. So this is what the, the, the story winds down to. We'll, we'll wrap it up next week. But here's the thing. God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us here. God has a way for every single person in this building to serve Him, for everybody in this church family, be it a little bitty child or the oldest person in our fellowship at 95 or 6 years old. God has a place for every single one of us. And it's important, highly important, because it prepares us for eternity. It prepares us to come into his midst, and it prepares us for the garden of delight. Isn't that great? I mean, isn't it great that God has promised us a place of delight? 
Not, not a place of getting by, not a place of mediocrity, not a place that's just uh, really great, but a place of delight. Pleasure, pleasure beyond our imagination. You know why? Because at that time we'll be unhindered by sin and we'll know who we are. We will know who we are. Never have a question, never have a doubt, never have a regret. We will know exactly who we are and what we were made for. I mean, we can cognitively say, I got it down right now, but I'm telling you, we'll experience it then. That's the promise of God. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we praise you for the hope that we have in Jesus. Father, we praise you for the hope that we have in eternity. We praise you, Father that you have allowed us to be a part of your kingdom regardless of, of what our skills are, what our, what our desires are, that you have placed the ability in us to worship through that, to serve through that, to use that to your glory wherever we go and however you've made and created us. Father, help us to, to grow in our faith. Help us, Father, to look forward to the plans and the purposes that you have for us. Help us, Lord, to, to worship you here on this earth and prepare us, Father, for eternity for what you want to do in us. And Father, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.